Welcome, everyone, to Davos Finger's coverage of the House of the Dragon. This is episode 128, The Rogue Prince. I'm Scaddy, and with me, as always, is my buddy, Matt. Yeah, hey, everybody. We're tickled to continue our weekly coverage of HBO's House of the Dragon series, based, of course, on George R.R. Martin's work, Fire and Blood. Like Scad said, today we're chatting about episode two of the House of the Dragon that for us just came out. Oh my goodness, it's been four or five days now. The Rogue Prince. Not to be confused with the novella of the same name. Nor the episode of the same name, episode 82, I think it was for our For us, yes, yes. (laughs) But anyway, here we are. Come on, HBO. Uh, So we're going to be, come on, man, didn't you check our episode titles? (laughs) We'll be releasing these episodes once every week uh, for every episode they air every Friday, hopefully to give you guys enough time to digest this content and the previous week's episode and help you prepare for the next one. We'll spend the first part of each episode discussing the episode scene, scene by scene, and then we'll keep it spoiler free for all those people that haven't read Fire and Blood and don't want to be spoiled and want to keep it a fresh perspective for the next episode. But if you have read the book or just want to know the spoilers anyway, just stick around for the special segment we call it dragons after dark after our old segment davos after dark and we'll talk about the spoilers and break what we think might happen in the next upcoming episode yep and of course you know this because you're here you can check out all of these weekly at house of the dragon episodes wherever you find your podcasts we're even working on spotify right now so stay tuned for that uh, you can even find them believe it or not on our youtube channel that's right we're on youtube kalisar so if you want to chat with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a raven at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. Uh, you can find and like us on Facebook. Leave a comment on YouTube. We're always on Twitter, which is at Davos Fingers. And check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Davos Fingers, which is frozen for the moment as we make some future plans for our kind patrons. But uh, we appreciate your support nonetheless. And patience, yeah. These bags under the eyes over here, they're for you guys. YouTube watchers, this is new for us, <laughs> but uh, we're here for it. Should we should we dive in right into right into the? It's not even the first scene. We're going to talk about the opening sequence, which we didn't get the first week. No, it kind of just the show just kind of started, right? And now, yeah, they flashed up a little dragon symbol, and it was just like diving right in. To be honest, I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought like, it was a good way to just get into it. The sequence is cool. I, they're fine, but like I've always felt opening credits. It's like, man, give me the action. Give me two extra minutes of content. Right. And the episode was shorter than the first one, even. A little bit, And, yep. and ha- a big chunk of that was taken up in the opening sequence. Yeah, like oh, but, three uh, minutes or something. What did you think of uh, the old theme music coming back? Not having like a House of the Dragon specific uh, theme song. I'm, mix- I'm a little mixed about it. I mean, I think most of the viewers probably know how i felt about game of thrones uh for those that don't i didn't watch the whole series i stopped does, this, does the song make you switch a little twitching. bit the music is fantastic i mean let's not, no bones about it like i you know i have quibbles with the show and i stopped watching it for reasons i won't bore everyone with here um but the music is fantastic i, I can't quibble with the music at all and you know what I, lots of series do this lots of series repeat the music right between different versions of shows and things i i loved it i didn't care didn't bother yeah. me at all me neither you know like you said star wars does it lord of the rings yeah. brings back themes throughout i thought it was i thought i think it's a great way to tie the two series together sure. uh, among the other themes they're doing it's kind of an interesting the visual sequence right it's like a mechanism unlocks and blood yeah. runs out of it along these like 
corridors and then that mm-hmm. blood hits other mechanisms which unlocks them which yeah. it's kind of wild right we recognize some sigils maybe in some of yeah. those mechanisms uh, yeah as usual uh and i swear we're not waiting until thursday to record so that everyone answers all the questions for us but in this case uh <laughs> i feel like people have gone and done some of the work and figured this out i had a theory all ready to go for this as to what i thought this represented uh okay. until i i read today what it really is and to be honest i like my idea better surprise surprise arrogant well, scad likes his own idea better let's go um, with it i'll probably like it too well i think part of it is correct so it's the a word that was used in this episode that we'll cover later is the inaugurion right uh Viserys mm. uses this term it's uh, a temple essentially like a, a blood temple uh where they did where the blood magicians did magic in old valeria and we see it in Viserys's uh, model that he's got his big model that he works on. And uh, what I thought it was, was mostly symbolic of that blood running through the canals and streets and things of, of Valyria and right. tying all of the old dragon riding families to get all the old noble families together in Valyria and really tying, because Valyria has been a huge theme in this series already, right? It, it ties a lot of Viserys' thoughts together. Um, and, and I thought they were really just going for that unifying aspect of, yeah, this is old Valyria, right? But it turns out, I think, that they're actually, these sigils that they're unlocking are actually representative, if what I read can be believed, and I didn't look too closely at the sigils, but they, can, they are representative of all of the Targaryen rulers, essentially. They roll through the different rulers. From, from Aegon down? Queens, from, from Aegon down. Mm. Right. And uh, that's cool, too, but I don't know why then it's taking place in Valyria. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Viserys' model, which, of course, is of Valyria. Yes. Yes. Um, right. Yeah, it looked like one of the crowns looked like the crown that Viserys wears. Yep. Or one of the sigils, excuse me. Another one looked like the um, design on Rhaenyra's necklace that mm. Damon gave her. So One of them's got I, like three dragons. So kind of like the first one, I think. So that'd be Aegon, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, a lot of people really like those opening sequences of like Game of Thrones and stuff. I yeah. used to always skip them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just give me three more minutes of episode. I can maybe see myself doing that again, even though it was great to watch for yeah. this first time. I thought it was very cool. I watched it. I, I watched it even the second time when I was watching the episode for, for more notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not your, I'll skip it every time from now on. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Music's great. Lovely artistry. Don't care. uh, So then we start off with a pretty horrific opening scene of some crabs eating a foot on a beach. And you find that that foot's connected to a whole body. And then if you're like me, you're like, oh, these crabs are eating a corpse. That's kind of gross, but not so bad. And then the foot starts to move. The dude is alive. Alive. Um. This, of course, being our first look at the work of Crab Feeder, Kragus <laughs> Drehar. Yes. And uh, he, he of gross. three mentions, he of three mentions in the entire book, Fire and Blood. His name appears three times. Uh, and they're going to turn him into like the seasoned villain. I Super think. bad guy. Right. Like they're going to expand those three sentences into like the villain of the season. <laughs> who do these people think they are peter jackson jeez don't they don't they realize they have a whole cast of villains already more on that later 
but it's great. Um, this Stepstones plot line is turning out to be rather a rather big part, at least of these first two episodes. Uh, yeah. Not only is it a platform, of course, uh, for Corliss, as we've seen, but also it looks like it might be something for the character of Damon to use as a stepping point, which, of course, is also in Fire and Blood. Yeah, yeah. And, and they use it, uh, we'll get to it maybe more at the end of the episode again, but they use it to, to kind of tie those two characters, Corliss and Damon, together, Yeah. Uh, interestingly. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a thing. I mean, it's a thing in Fire and Blood, too. Um, it's It happens mostly off page. I think one of the sentences is, it's not our job to, to tell here the tale of the War of the Stepstones. And so they keep most of the detail out of it. Um, but you're aware that that this goes on for years, right? Mm -hmm. And and it keeps Damon, Damon pretty occupied for most of that time. Yeah. A few sojourns to court. Of course. And, and we forget sometimes we see Damon and we think of him as this hardened warrior and everything, but really this was a time of peace for the Targaryens. Yeah. These guys really hadn't bloodied their swords very much. And so this really is an opportunity for Damon to season himself as a warrior, uh, which isn't something that happens too often during this time period. Definitely, yeah. There were some conflicts earlier in J.A. Harris's reign where he had to go prove himself when he was a younger man. But you're right. Uh, in more recent history, it's been very quiet. Yeah, as we'll see with the uh, knights that Rhaenyra has to choose from for the Kingsguard. Good transition. Um, <laughs> well, I did just want to make one point about this first council meeting where sure. they talk about that new Kingsguard. First, we were right about Ryan Redwine, the knight that we saw that was him. He's dead. He passed peacefully. He was ill for some time. Uh, you know me. I'm always going to look for controversy where there, where there is none. That uh, maybe the uh, small council, knowing how dangerous Damon could be and how much many of them don't like him, they want to keep strong soldiers around uh, old King Viserys. Maybe they saw how frail Rhyme Redwine was getting and slipped a little something into the drink, let him pass peacefully so they could get someone vibrant and new in the King's Guard. Yeah, he had been sick for some time, it mentioned, right? I don't remember how long they said, but he had been sick. Um, mm -hmm. or, may, or maybe they just mentioned that in Fire and Blood. I can't remember now. But he had been sick for a while. And uh, and so would, it, would I put it past maybe somebody to slip something? Auto? Maybe? I, yeah. I wouldn't put it past him. Melos? I don't know. Yeah, Melos? Yeah. Uh -huh. Guy seems like a douche. Yeah, could be. <laughs> could be. As, as I was reading uh, in Fire and Blood, uh, some of this stuff from this episode, I came across this passage about Viserys and I thought it really came out well in this opening council meeting. Viserys, the first Targaryen, was not the strongest willed of kings, it must mm -hmm. be said. Always amiable and anxious to please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> except, except for the part we'll get to later. Uh, if I remember that paragraph correctly, it's the one that goes into his choice of bride, I think, right? Yes. Nailed it. Yeah. Yep. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's eager to please here too. I mean, Rhaenyra in this council scene uh, speaks up and he shuts her down, but you can tell he's, well, Otto mostly shuts her down, uh, but you can tell he's nervous about it, eager to get her out doing something else. So the conflict goes away and that'll be a theme in this episode. I think it'll be a, th a theme of the whole season, really. Probably. Yeah. Avoiding conflict. Mm -hmm. Eager to please. You're right. Eager to please. <laughs> Corliss comes in hot and accuses him of a bunch of different things. Yeah. And Viserys listens 
he's, he, you know, he's a very patient guy. He's good at listening. I think when, no, he's not, he's not great at listening. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> he's good at listening to certain people. Yeah. Uh, but then he's like, I have acted Lord Corliss. Yes. Whenever yes. you have to say, I have acted Lord Corliss and you have to like explain the things that you've done. Yeah. Probably means that the uh, actions you have taken are perhaps just to check off the box of saying I have acted. Yeah, I mean, I'll defend Viserys a little bit. You don't, you definitely don't want to go to war, right? You want to take all actions available to avoid that if you can, right? And sending envoys seems like a reasonable idea. I don't know, starting point. Them. Yeah, but did he send them six months ago when Corlys first brought this up, or did he send them five days ago when after? The ships had been ambushed and taken, right? right? So he didn't. He certainly doesn't seem like he acted expediently, uh, you know, with good timing. But sending envoys isn't a bad idea. It's maybe a little too little, a little too a little late, too right? little too late. Yeah. Just a quick fire and blood difference in the book. The crab feeder had driven out pirates from the stepstones, mm -hmm. and then what they were doing was they were charging tolls to Westerosi ships uh, for safe passage through yes. that through the narrow sea basically and westeros was it says in fire and blood they were happy to pay those tolls at the time mm -hmm. and, but as years passed the crab feeder and his men drove those tolls higher and higher and higher in addition to that they became low-key slave traders there is even a well-known westerosi noblewoman joanna swan who was captured and sold to a pillow house in uh lease and that's when yeah. uh, that that, but probably for Corliss, it was more the high tolls that were really starting to take a toll on his shipping uh, business um, that led him to wanting to get it stopped. This, of course, yeah. they make the stakes uh, a little bit higher and more obvious, and just a little more immediate that they're attacking our Westerosi ships and killing our sailors. It it's, makes sense for the show. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a uh, it's a good detail in Fire and Blood. I like the difference. Uh, but it's not something you need for the show. They became pirates anyway. Sure. So just call them pirates. Yep. Doesn't doesn't matter that much. They're attacking our yeah. ships. Yeah. Either way, Corlos wants to stop them. It matters if you care about the politics of Lisa and Mir and the free cities and Which care no to does. say that they're not pirates. But nobody no does. Yeah. I mean, I do, but you know, I don't I don't think your average, you know, show watcher cares about it too much right now, for sure. I don't know that I've ever seen a fan be like, you know what I really want like a, a panel on at the next convention? <laughs> the politics. No, that's that's fair. I don't I don't want that either. I would like I would like to see a panel dedicated to the maze makers of Lorath. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the three lines we get from yeah. Well, we've got a theory on that too. So yeah, we do. We do indeed. Um uh, so Rhaenyra goes to she gets sent off now instead of her idea of going to attack the Stepstones with dragons and being more involved, which you can tell Rainier really wants to be more involved. It's been six months. They tell us that it's been six months since the last episode. And it feels like she hasn't really gotten any sort of upward movement despite being named heir. She's still doing the same shit, right? And she wants to be more involved. And so she speaks up and gets firmly put back in her place. Yeah. Way to go, patriarchy. And instead gets to go pick the next member of the Kingsguard, which not a, you know, it's not a cool. Supreme Court justice. It's not a, this is not a small gig, right? Yeah. It's important. But the dismissal but, uh, was pretty obvious. The, the dismissal sucked. Yeah. 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 Um, so she goes to pick one. 
She does. And she does a how good does she, job. Yeah, how does she do? So thoughtful for 15. She, it's just, you know, this guy's going to do the best job. He's fought other people for real. Yeah. He's the guy I was. Feels legitimate. The only thing that stuck out to me, first of all, House Karen, House Malister, love to see it. Want to want to see more houses. Um, they did a good job making those knights seem out of shape. They're like very stout and like not, you know, well-conditioned dudes. Uh, One of but, them caught a poacher or whatever it was. <laughs> a, a poacher. And they fell dead at their feet and they brought him in. Uh, I'm surprised that Otto, because you can tell Otto was not pleased with Kristen Cole's inclusion. I'm surprised the Hand of the King couldn't have said, you know, don't, don't bring him along. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, Westerling, Harold Westerling, the, uh, the leader of the Kingsguard, maybe just, I don't want him, let's, let's pick from one of the other guys. I'm surprised he didn't force his hand in there about that. That's, that's a good point, to not even force bring him. hand, hand. Look at us, man. We are just flying high tonight. We're, just, we're working, we're working it. Yeah, if he's so interested in the political choice, why bring that guy along? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it was interesting that Kristen Cole's the only one without a squire there. Uh, mm, I could notice cool. that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or flag bearer, whoever it was yeah, that's right. standing by them there. Other guy, I assume it's a squire. But yeah. um, Tiny little fun detail. Desmond, Karen, and Ryman Malister, the two knights that were introduced there, yeah. both creations of the show. But Lyman Malister, who was the father of Ryman Malister, they mentioned son of Lyman. Yep. That, that, that guy's actually the guy He's mentioned in the book once. He's the one that beat Kristen Cole in the joust, the same joust oh. where Damon beat or Damon lost to Kristen. Uh, oh. So it's kind of funny. They switched it a little bit. They yeah. still brought him in, but instead Cole triumphs. Um, Man. Dumb little thing. Don't you, don't you just wonder like how that conversation goes in the writer's room? Well, pick a name. How about Lyman's? Well, no, the fans will freak out because that's actually this guy. And then they're like, yeah, it'll be fine. Or like, we're like, yeah. Or Wouldn't that yeah. be fun? Or if or there's it was really behind it. Yeah, and they right. just went, ah, Lyman, yep, that lo- that works. Yeah. And then YouTubers all over like me are like, oh. <laughs> I just called us a YouTubers, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And you can give us a little bit and we run the mile. Turn the page. Um, I want Graham McTavish, the guy who plays Harold Westerling, to narrate everything in my life. I just love his voice. He's got great a great voice. voice. Yep. A great voice. I love it, too. Um, so then we go to the first in a series of chats between mm-hmm. King Viserys and Rhaenyra's best friend, Otto's daughter, Alison Hightower. Yes. And they're talking about principally they're, they're in front of Viserys's model of Valyria, which is very cool, by the way. Yeah. And we talk about Valyria, as you mentioned before. We do. Yeah. There's kind of, I'd say there's kind of three. I'd say there's kind of three levels to this conversation, right? Okay. There's the um, history background level that is, it's interesting information for people that, that love the series. And we learn a little bit and we hear the word inaugurion, which we talked about earlier. And we're like, was that, a, was that in a book? What? <laughs> it's new. It's new. And mm-hmm. I saw David Peterson talking about the origin and uh, online, pretty cool stuff. And you can hear, you get a little bit of background from Viserys. He's very interested in history and he provides historical details and the architects kind of build the thing and very kind of cool. And he breaks a dragon chunk, you klutz. And seven hells, he says. <laughs> seven hells. Um, 
And then you have the maybe the subtext of a lot of that conversation, which is these two kind of get along, right? And I, yeah. I think they're doing a reasonable job of establishing that there's there's a relationship building there. Now, we'll come back to all the negatives around how that started and what it all means. But to me, they are showing some sort of connection here. It's being absolutely forced on Allison. We'll come to and talk about that a lot more later. Yeah, But there's a relationship building there, a, a level of trust. It's been six months. They've been talking, it seems, probably regularly. And there's there's some common interests there. Allison, I think she kind of likes Viserys' historical kind of nerdy nature. Um, and there's a seeming level of respect. And then there's the last level of that conversation, which is where they get to really the meat of this. Viserys talking to her about his own struggles relating to his daughter, which underlies that second part. They're connecting about stuff. He trusts her enough to talk about this really big problem he's got in his life, you know, relating to his daughter, right? Yeah. And he's talking about it with her best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say it wasn't problematic. And we will, of course, of course, we will get to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I agree. You Allison, can talk about it now if you want. Allison's intentions don't feel sneaky. It feels no. like, I mean, we all know that Otto was behind the pushing the two of them together to begin with. But I agree. Yeah. I feel like there's a very genuine connection growing. And uh, as problematic as you said it might be, and we'll talk about later, it, it feels it feels genuine. Um, in the books, Viserys yeah. isn't even 30 at this point, and Alicent yeah. is 18. So it maybe makes a little Eight, more sense. 18 and but, 29, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and... And believe me when I say, just because there's a connection there and they seem to trust each other, it doesn't mean that I think Alicent is comfortable. She likes him okay. This situation, though, is very uncomfortable. Yeah, you she's her still picking doing the her hands. Mm -hmm. It's a very uncomfortable thing. She's clearly being forced into this by her dad, which, like, maybe if her dad weren't pushing her, she might come talk to Viserys as a friend and make this relationship real as yeah. a friend, right? And right. and really relate to him. But because it's been forced and she's always getting pressured, it's awful, right? I said we talk yeah. about it later. I guess it's later. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I made the note for later, but now seems like the time to bring it up. Uh, it feels a little bit, not a ton, because we don't have Allison's POV to really check on this. Yeah. It felt a little bit to me like the way Sansa felt about my boyfriend Willis at first. Mm. Um, but again, I don't have Allison's POV to check and verify this like we had Sansa's POV. But it almost feels like, yeah, Viserys wouldn't be my first choice for a husband in terms of physical attraction. And obviously mm. there's an age difference, but he's a nice guy. He would take care of me. We'd have a good life together. And I can see the two of us together because of that, right? Sansa was was became more around to the idea of marrying Willis because of what he stood for and everything, and I can see a little bit of that maybe with Allison. It's 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 an interesting comparison. I like it. There's a major difference. In one case, the person she's being pushed on is an escape from terror. Willis is an escape from terror for Sansa. Mm -hmm. And Viserys is a push toward control, a push toward, <laughs> not terror necessarily, but she's very much being pushed into this situation where, he, where she has no control. 
yeah into a yeah a snake pit but you're right that she might her brain might be thinking about them somewhat similarly yeah of like he's not the Kristen cole handsome loris tyrell type but he seems like a nice guy who would take care of me and who we could build a connection with and who knows yeah yeah i don't get the i don't get the creepy vibes from viserys that a lot of people get sure um we'll cover more of that later okay (laughs) um so Alicent and Rhaenyra then go and talk at the temple or at the Sept. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Alicent's in an interesting spot because Viserys in the previous scene is like, I wish she would approach me. It's like, geez, dude, you're dude, the adult. You're, you're her dad. Go, yeah. Like, Come on, go man. approach her. Come on, man. Like what you don't, what are you whining about? Right. And then in the next scene, you know, you have these two girls who are of an age and Alicent's in the exact same spot. Where and she gives the exact same advice to exact both. same advice. Like I, you know, like I, I think I maybe think, you should make I the first she, move. <laughs> right. This poor girl, she's doing the best work for both of these people. Uh, good old Allison. Um, I love I love the look of this scene. I liked it. I think in the previous scene there was with the candles with the Valerian head and and everything. I love the way these candles look. I don't know if they always did it the same way in Game of Thrones, but they're chaotic flames right they're blowing yeah. all over the place whenever Different i read these scenes i think of them as just like flat, straight like, rows straight rows of candles nice and neat. Right? i agree yeah, and it was the not, same way. not wind blowing them all over the place i loved it i, I love the visual of it it looks really great. cool yeah and the giant sept it's fun to see the majesty of some of these yeah. um as i was watching house of the dragon today i was kind of taking it easy today i'm not feeling super well so i was kind of relaxing and i watched the episode again and then while i was on hbo max i saw game of thrones and i went and i just chose an episode from season one and i watched it and it was the one wow. with the that first tourney the the attorney of the hand for eddard mm-hmm. um, yeah. and just seeing the difference of game of thrones season one and that yeah. tourney's like a tiny little grandstand of like seven rows. <laughs> yeah. And the and, majesty they got now. And the jousting ring was just like logs spliced together to build this little jousting mm-hmm. place. And then to see the one that happened in episode one of this one was yeah. just amazing. So it's been really fun to see this increased budget uh, leading yeah. to really seeing the majesty at the height of House Targaryen. It's a lot of fun. Success brings money, man. Yeah. Once they got once they got money and make money, they can put more money in. Which leads to bigger sets. Um indeed. So do you think Alicent is is I mean, obviously she's just being a good friend, like she seems to be. Is she also trying to soften Rhaenyra up to that idea for the inevitable marriage push? Because you gotta think that Alicent knows it's coming. You know, I didn't get that impression. What if your father were to remarry? She asks Rhaenyra. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, maybe I didn't put that together because everyone's asking that question. Sure. To, to everyone in this episode. What if you were to remarry? It's the duty to remarry. You have a duty to the realm. Da, 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 da. Like every conversation almost is about this duty and that he's going to do it eventually. Um, so maybe I just didn't put it together. I never thought, I didn't think of it as softening it. I, I did feel like she was just being there for Rhaenyra, but, mm-hmm. but and also bonding, you know, she, she says, Rhaenyra says to her, I, I want him to see me as more than a little girl. And you know, Alice, Allison's like same, same word, right? Word. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. I, I'm word. being forced to, but that's also what I'm trying to do. Um, it just and again, the like, why? Why do girls always have to make the effort? Like, 
we really are boneheads sometimes. You know? Yeah. Like, I wish she would approach me. That was my biggest eye roll of the your, whole episode. I know. Yeah. Just talk to your daughter, man. Come on. Ugh. Yep. They, my father too doesn't know the language of girls. Or so paraphrased. I don't think I got it exactly right, but mm-hmm. man, these dudes suck. They do. They do. Um. Well. Does this dude suck? Viserys goes and talks to Corlys Velaryon and Rhaenys, and they have a little chat together. Yeah. Where they drop the bomb on him. We yeah. think you should marry our 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It obviously it's uncomfortable to think about. Uh, for us as you know, humans living living in this world, it's it's uncomfortable to think about that. In their mm-hmm. world, this is what they do, right? And it sucks. We all know it sucks. It's a patriarchal society where women have no choice, no ability to say no. You know, it, it's awful. We, we all we all know this. From a pragmatism standpoint, it makes sense. You know that Corliss is suggesting this. We get in a later scene with with Rayanus when she's talking to Rayanera. Uh, you know, it's a, they don't like it either. They they don't they don't want that. That's this isn't what they would choose for their daughter. Under other under other circumstances, but they're they're making a play here, right? And this yeah. is how it works. Should they make a different play? To. Yes. Should they make a different play? Yes. It's not well, really how their society works, though. It really isn't. You're absolutely right about that. That's how you consolidate power. That's how you make plays is by using your children. Um, but it is interesting that it's like, man, you really want to be powerful. And you want our help, you gotta marry our daughter. That's what yeah. they're saying. Like it's yeah. not, it's not like we're good citizens of the realm, and of course we're gonna do what's right for the realm. Yeah, you gotta marry our daughter first. And yeah, yeah. It almost felt like a threat, didn't it? It's like it totally the, the, did. World, the world is watching. If you don't do this, right? And the only way to do it is by marrying our daughter. The only way to do it is by marrying our daughter, right? Because <laughs> we're the most powerful family and we can help you. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> It's gross. I, Poor little Lana. You know, like, we'll get to that later, I guess. But We totally will. Um, they're like, I fear the eyes of our enemies are fixed on the Red Keep. I ask you, Scad, in this time of peace, who are the enemies? Yeah, I, I have a similar note. Uh, so are they yeah, just are they just yeah. saying this to so paranoia? Like, a car yeah. salesman, your car so, could go out at any, your alternator goes out and, oh man, you're screwed and, you know, get this nice new car. Like, is there, who are these enemies? Like, well, yeah. So, we, so to, to bring it back to a Song of Ice and Fire, in the Song of Ice and Fire timeline, there was, you know, a 15 year gap ish where Triple B, Bobby Baratheon, Big Bobby B was ruler, a non Targaryen ruled fractured country, right? right? Like a lot of insurrection a lot of non-peace within Westeros, kind of. Um, and also, to boot, no dragons. And beyond that, there's been 125-ish, 130 years, with no dragons at all in Westeros. And nobody came to invade in those 125 years, nor in 15 years of Robert Baratheon's rule. You're telling me that Essos is looking across the Narrow Sea and being like, yeah, 10 dragons, we can go take them down. I don't buy it. It fell flat for me. For right. Sure. Or maybe the world is watching. We look vulnerable. Well, do you? And let's, <laughs> let's send one dragon over to do some damage and see if they still think we're vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. It just does. I don't buy it. It fell flat for me. It goes back to that quote. What was I saying? 
not the strongest willed of kings, it must be said, always <laughs> amiable and anxious to please. So they know, oh, you're enemies, man. Or or what do they say? Mm. The Yeah, what you said, the world is watching or your people are watching and they see the crown as vulnerable. Do they really? Like, I, they might be talking about the air situation again, like there's not a lot of airs, but I don't, I still don't really see how that applies. I really right? feel like they're just trying to make him paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess well played because it worked. I mean, maybe it they totally just worked. know Viserys and they know that they can play him that way, but it fell flat for me. Yep. Small difference from the book. We bring these up just for funsies, but in the book, it's Grandmaster Runciter that suggests the marriage, uh, hmm. not Corliss himself. Although maybe Corliss had him suggest it to make it seem like a better idea or that we're it wasn't get, self-serving. We're going to get to Runciter's replacement in the show and his reaction to this in a minute. Oh, that yeah. One of my favorite things in the episode. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. Mm. Got one more scene first. Mm. Rhaenyra and Viserys have dinner. This is an awkward scene. Again, okay. one that's evident. Even this simple scene with just this beautiful set. And I'm just mm-hmm. reminded, every, every time a scene opens, you're just like, oh my God. It's, oh, beautiful. it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. This is one's very simple, but it still struck me. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I also agree about every scene. Every scene just looks fantastic. They really have just gone to the next level. Um, you came so close to doing a good job, Viserys. You came <laughs> note. Yeah. so glo- close. He talks yeah. about how it was a regret of his that they hadn't talked much. And Viserys, you know, for all his faults, he does have like a certain amount of humility that I kind of admire about him. He doesn't take himself too seriously a lot of the time. And I like that about him. Um, He starts talking about Emma and Rhaenyra just perks up. You can tell that all she wants to do is talk about her mom. Yeah. And they get a little moment there where it's really sweet. I loved your mother, he says, right? Yeah. And And she she just lights up. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And then, and then, and and then she's like, she brings up the Kingsguard thing because she wants to prove her worth, right? She wants to yeah. show that she's a true heir. She's not a cupbearer. And she brings it up. Dad laughs and he's like, good job. He basically says, you, you did good, kid. So she yep. feels safe going, okay, maybe I can bring up this council incident that happened before mm-hmm. because now he's seeing that I've got some credibility here. Sorry. I've got some credibility here. I picked a good Kingsguard member. So now I can go into this council thing that I brought up about the dragons and shut up. Boom. Yeah, I you got I so close to the series. I rewound it three times because I couldn't hear what he said to her specifically. Hmm. He, sa- he says, he says, forget it or leave it behind or something. And then he says something else. I never, I still couldn't get it. I rewound it three times and never got it. But you're right. Thematically, you're right. Uh, he's on a good path. It reminds me almost of like a teenager on a first date that like doesn't know they're doing well <laughs> and give and gives up in the middle. You know, obviously, it's not a romantic feeling we're going with here, but the same idea. Like you're nailing it, dude. Just keep going. Keep talking yeah. about how much you loved your wife. Just listen to Rhaenyra. Yeah. You don't. You don't need to go back to business at all yet. Just talk about this for a while and get the conversation going. Instead, he just stops. And then it's awkward, and Rhaenyra goes, I guess, back to business. Still, though, you're right. Could have listened. Could have just been positive and reinforcing. And and no. Nope. Nope. Nothing. He says to her, I don't know if it's the phrase that you missed. He says, you will learn. He says, you'll learn. You'll learn how things work. Yeah, You'll learn. I think it was, I think it was after he says, you will learn, she tries to go again. Mm-hmm. And then he cuts her off with something. And I didn't miss to really get it. It's no big deal. Somebody it's no big deal. Us. 
Somebody will tell us in the comments. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> this scene is one of my favorite ones. So Viserys is... You're getting, excited to talk about this. I'm excited to hear what you got to say about it. I mean, it's small, I guess, but mm-hmm. it's Otto. Mm-hmm. I love I love Otto in all his terrible terribleness, which I totally acknowledge. I still love him uh, for his manipulation. Um, okay. Anyway, Viserys is in the room uh, getting maggoted, right? He's, he's cut his finger on the Iron Throne in the previous episode. It's been six months and that finger is a mess. They're deploying maggots to try to eat the dead flesh. And this does work, by the way. I don't know if anyone thinks this is like voodoo, same note. But it does work. It's a yeah. there are there are FDA approved medical maggots. Leeches too. Leech, we make fun of leeches from a song of fire, but there's ways to use leeches that are effective as well. Not all the ways that they're using them here, but uh, it's not you know it's not wrong. Um, so first of all, just Viserys's wit. So he says. Uh, so they're talking about the proposed marriage to Lena, right? And Otto's like, he's overreached. He can't just bring these things up. This needs to be brought up in council. And Viserys says, that's what I'm doing. I'm counseling because I'm, my finger's getting eaten right now and I want to get my mind off it. So let's yeah, counsel. I'm bringing it to you. That's the whole <laughs> point of this conversation. That's why you're here. I'm glad you've caught up. Um, but but then we, we go to uh, getting advice from Otto. And, you know, what we all know is that Otto is trying to slow play this and get him to fall for Alicent. But Melos doesn't play along. And you can almost just see Otto just, like, twitching. He's like, the Grand Maester's <laughs> advice is sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, like, has to give in. And he has to switch tactics. And he basically gives his own sob story about his dead wife and saying, you know, just, you don't need to rush this. Your wife just died take your, you know, like he has to just play this whole other card because Melos, who doesn't care about women at all, says, what does it matter what Rhaenyra will think? Yeah. Here's what she thinks. This is you, um, you man. This guy you should sucks. totally do it. You should totally do it. Melos sucks. Otto's but, like, <laughs> yeah, you could just tell Otto's like, why doesn't Melos stick to my plan? Ex-nay on the... <laughs> I love it. Larion Bay. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of... It's really brilliant what he does here because he's he, he reminds Varys subtly that Ver, or Varys, Viserys, Viserys, you're the king, but I do not envy your position of having mm-hmm. to marry someone for political reasons. Yeah. He he's like, oh man, all of this, what he does then, it he's pushing that idea that Viserys is the king and he should marry who he likes and go mm-hmm. ahead and take his time. Like you said, doing it, but mm-hmm. he's doing it in a way that's bringing in his sob story that makes Viserys go, man, I don't want to be like Otto. Yeah. I, you're he right. Like I don't envy this position. I am the king. I should be able to do what I want to. And it's slowly planting this in his mind that he can. It's brilliant manipulation. It really and is. Is Otto right or wrong? Uh, I he has mean, his own reasons for doing it. Yeah, there's sincerity to him that that's correct. Like, you should be able to do. You're the king. Do you and think I he do should not marry Lyanna? I guess what I'm asking is, should he marry Lyanna or should he marry who he wants? He should marry who he wants. Yeah, yeah, that's where I am too. Yeah, and that goes back but to Otto's doing it for the wrong reasons. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, Viserys. People aren't going to like me saying this. He's got a good heart. 
he doesn't seem to have a malicious bone in his body. Uh, he's been conditioned by society and where he's grown up to act a certain way. And he's too much of a softy to act or even think of acting otherwise to go against the grain and do yeah. what's right. And that's a fault. It really is. But as you know, far as just like of? a heart, oh, go he's ahead. got a great heart. Go ahead. Yeah, He reminds me of Anus. Yeah, totally. Like yeah. he's got a good head. He's learned. He's done the histories. He knows stuff. He's a good person. I'd say Anus is a better father from what we know mm -hmm. uh, than Viserys has been according to the show. And I don't know, Fire and Blood, I think, paints him as a better father than the show is. Um, you know, more attentive to Rain. Yeah, doting. Uh -huh, doting sure. on her and involving yeah. her earlier in council things. And you get the impression in Fire and Blood that, that she's more involved than she is here. At least I, I got that impression. I agree. Yep. Um, but Aenys, I think, is, is a similar comparison. Aenys gets a lot of crap in the fandom for just being weak. Uh, you and I have discussed Aenys. I know he's a favorite of yours. I like comparative, him. Yeah. Comparatively. Um, you know, I think he, he gets some undue hate, but uh, th I think I feel like they're setting him up to be kind of like Amos. Yeah, good point. That's a good point. Um, so then we get, I hate to call it this, the first date. Oh, God. I'm not going to call it that. No, the I'm last, sorry I did the, that. <laughs> the last, the last date. It's a walk. The, the they're going walk. on a walk. Yep, they're going on a walk. Viserys and little 12-year-old Lena. Um, and she brings up in a fun moment. The first part of this scene is charming. Yeah. It is so sweet. Uh, it's, She's charming throughout. It's just, it becomes a sad charming. It, yeah, for real. Like it, she is really like heartbreaking. She charming. is charming. But it starts out as almost like this uncle right. just hanging yeah. out with his niece. And they're talking about fun stuff like dragons and what she's interested in. And he's thoughtful in his answers to her. And she's just naturally curious. And it kind of starts out as this really sweet moment. Um, she asks she's about She's actually Vagar. like his cousin, right? Or yeah. like a cousin once removed or something. Right. Because he and Rainey's his, are cousins. Right. So and it's Rainey's daughter. Cousin's daughter, whatever that is. Whatever that ends up being. Uh, Someone tell us, you will. Yeah. Um, do you think, so do you think uh, her asking about Vagar is just honest 12-year-old curiosity? Or is it another thing that her parents put her up to in the hopes of maybe oh. getting another dragon in the family? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't even think about that. I just, I just. Thought it was... She does it a lot more naturally than she does the other her True. reading her other lines. So True. that leads me to believe that no. I just thought it was this girl's a nerd and I'm here for it. Like she's sure. nerding out with dragons. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. That's all I that's as far as my brain took it. Like I love, I love Lana. I love what they did with her. She's a little sweetheart, seems so innocent and kind. And I don't, you know, I, I wish they hadn't done, I wish they hadn't aged her down the way that they have. Um, but I guess it makes sense given that they aged Allison down too. Right. I don't know. There, there's going to be a lot of weird stuff that, that comes of all those age differences that they've done. But um, yeah, so I mean, in Fire and Blood, Lane is 12 when Emma dies, right? But not now, not, not with the nine year gap. Right? Oh, the she, timeline she, is so mixed right. up. She's, she'd be, I think, 18 or 16 sure. here, or yeah. I think it's 18. Anyway, um, she should be about six years older than Rainier is where she should be. Um, and I feel like this thing would have made a whole lot more sense if they just kept it that way. 
but uh yeah maybe they wanted us to feel yuck they wanted it to be a well yeah maybe i mean because to make viserys's choice harder and like add more gravitas to that choice of do i marry this young girl who is a young girl but her family is this versus girls still young You're still 15 or 16. I mean, I don't know. We have uh, who I, I'm building a connection with, a sincere connection yeah. with. Yeah. To kind of make that choice more stark. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if that's the reason they did it. Uh, it certainly, it certainly plays kind of that. I mean, it's gross either way. It's a young girl either way. Right. Yeah. But 12 is worse. You know, like if we're drawing right. lines, I guess 12 is worse. They're both bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he he notes it, and it's clear in the way he handles this scene, and it's clear later when he says she's twelve that this bothers him. Yeah, and good. You know, like, you can almost hear yeah. Otto's words ringing in his ears from this previous scene of the maggoting. It's also though, like, it's a bit of a yeah. You're right. You're right. But but also like if if she's twelve, and you're not even going to get an heir until she's at least fourteen. Why are we pushing for it now? Corliss, the enemies was, are knocking at the door was, like you say if they are. Everyone's watching us. Why can we wait two years until she becomes of age? Why would I not totally. marry someone else yep. and start making heirs now? So it kind of I it doesn't make sense to me. Feels, uh, and I, Feels broken. I put a note here that, well, great. Now I don't like Corliss and Rainey's. It, but I wonder if there's a little bit of intentionality to that too of People, Corliss and Rainey's come off as these very sympathetic characters who you want to like and everything after episode one and fire and blood can't allow that or house of the dragon can't, you can't just have a character who you just like all the time. So they have to give us these little moments and making you go, Oh, this makes me feel icky what Corliss and Rainey's are doing. So I don't like them as much. Fire and blood too, right? Fire and blood. I felt like I liked Corliss and Rainey's throughout almost. They had a few Mm -hmm. questionable moments, but and you know they wanted the best for their family and to advance them but realistically they seemed like the the most sane people stable yeah and right. and here they're you know they're clawing for power here right and it's for sure it's it's pretty gross yep you know well one aesthetic scene that i don't love about this and then we can move on i don't love lena's wig i know it's petty it feels so like <laughs> dude victorian era it just seemed too big and I don't know, didn't love it. it. Didn't, but. I have, I have no comment about the wig. I big, it, it was big. That's if that's, if that's my one concern about all this, <laughs> quibble. they're probably doing pretty good on this show, but I didn't my, love her wig. My quibble about this scene is the poor deer is terrified at the end of this scene. And if Sarah, again, problems relating to people and girls in general, just give the poor deer a hug. She's terrified. Yeah. Just just give her a little reassuring pat or hug or something. And it's just awkward. You're just not gonna get in trouble out. for this. This is yeah. 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 Like it's poor dear. Maybe he thought that like touching would lead to her feeling more anxious. I don't know. Yeah, mm. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's it is an awkward situation. Right. He's trying to stay away from that. Okay. <sighs> Then, man, we get to, there was no violence in this episode. Well, hardly any violence in this episode. It was very PG-13, very PG-13 violence. violence. But uh, 
there's I, I think the main event maybe of this episode was the sparring of Rhaenyra and Rhaenys, uh in the scene following the one we just talked about. They really are perfect for each other. They really need to get along because they are two peas in friggin' pod. Yeah. Yeah, Rhaenys, you wonder if she just kind of is almost looking at a portal toward history, right? And just sees herself in Rhaenyra and and sees that she's going to be on a path to disappointment, right? Yeah. And and almost and, and is almost caustic about it, you know, like just mean to her about it. You know, yeah, like, she comes off as pretty vindictive, actually. Yeah, right. The the <laughs> the the dialogue goes roughly, you know, the the men of Westeros denied a queen already. They had their chance. They denied you. Yeah. And then Rhaenyra says, do you remind them that when that they bow to you when you carry their cups? Right. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, like you're still yeah, you're still serving them. You're not gonna get any better than that. Right. That's what you are to them. You're gonna serve them. The women in this family and in this kingdom serve the men. That's how it is. And like just what does she call it? She calls it the order of things. Mm-hmm just throwing water on all of Rainier's dreams here. And on one hand, you understand where she's coming from. This was very disappointing for her and she really felt slighted and she, she was frankly, but it's like, uh, on the other hand, shouldn't you maybe try and try to support Rhaenyra and lift her up and, you know, rather than just being like, it's never going to work for you, honey, because it didn't for me. So get used to it. Yeah, it might seem a little two-faced if she were to really be that supportive because what she's really trying to do is get the king to marry her daughter and replace Rhaenyra. So it might feel a little two-faced if she were that supportive, but she could at least be emotionally supportive of someone in a position she recognizes as similar to her own. Yeah. You know, emotional support, even if she doesn't think it's that's the way it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just kind of... It's not like Rhaenyra's got a lot of friends. You know, like no, she could have been. A, she could have been a friend to her, you know. And and one note I made though, or a counselor, she is kind of jerky to her. But Rainy seems to be the only person who is just downright real with Rhaenyra. Yep. Going back to last episode. Yeah. Even we know Allison Hightower's being a little. Mm, I can't little, talk about this around maybe. you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Rainy's gives it to her straight. And yeah, you feel that way. There's something about yeah. that. I love the actress that plays Rainey's Emma Darcy. She has this. Oh, Emma Rainis? Darcy. Yeah. Is Emma Darcy's older Rainier. Oh, is she older Rainier? I must have read yeah, we didn't see, IMDb. We seen them yet. I read that wrong. Yeah. We haven't seen Excuse them me. Yet. Uh, she has like these eyes that are kind of like smirky, really yes. communicative eyes. Yes. And uh, I love her. I, I see her on screen and I'm just like enchanted by her. Yeah, I Great have a presence. note later. Great presence. I have a note later that like, I feel like with where where I know the book goes, they're going to run out of things for Rayanus to do, kind of soon, and I don't. That's not acceptable to me. So they better <laughs> fix, they better figure it out. So make some stuff up. <laughs> this is the one time where Scad's like make something up, please, yeah, to keep yeah. her on screen. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like almost what they did with Braun in Game of Thrones, where just saw how uh, yeah. magnetic of an actor he was and everything, and <laughs> squeezed him a sudden, into a Dornish plot that didn't exist. If I remember all right. of a sudden, he's yeah, he's an Emmy winner or whatever. No, he, but 
Um, then we go to Alicent Adversaries, chat number two. Yeah. Which uh, this is where I think I had my note about Willis and Sansa. Yeah, it was. Um, so we talked about this already, whether we think Alicent has maybe these nascent feelings for Viserys. And maybe... I don't even know if they're romantic, right? I just, I just feel Correct. like... I, I just feel like there, yeah, there's a connection there between them, yeah. whether it's just, uh, you know, that they can confide or console each other. Um, yeah, it, it feels it feels like that's there to me, regardless of the fact that she was pushed into it totally against her will and continues to be. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't make that right, what no. Otto is doing, but it's yeah. it's nice that this is happening in its own way. For both of for, them. For Alicent, yeah, for both of them. That's what I was just about to say, buddy. Someone for Alicent, it's someone to talk to where she doesn't really feel like she's being manipulated, right? Yeah. A male figure who's just real with her. And <laughs> even though the whole situation is absolutely manipulation. <laughs> absolutely. And he's <laughs> like, kind of manipulating her at the same time of telling her yes. not to talk to her best friend about it. Yes. Um, so there is a little bit of that. But she feels safe, obviously, with him. Yeah. Um and she can be whatever around Viserys and for Viserys it's nice to just have someone be nice to him yeah. like he seems just like floored by that gift she gave him when he, when she gave him that fixed piece to his little model he seemed absolutely floored and when you stop and think about it how many people do things for a king just because just to be yeah. nice I did this for you because I thought you would like it it's all yeah. to curry favor or because he's the king. She's just like, I just did this for you because I thought yes. you would like it. No one does that for a king. And so I think that his he was genuinely just floored by this. I, I also think it's there's some subtext to this gift and to the conversation they're having. Uh, it takes place one scene removed essentially from the scene he just had with Leanna that is awkward. They don't really get along. They don't really want to talk about this. She's all about talking about dragons. And he's like, ah, Valerian a long time ago. It wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't know where Vagar is. Like he's, he's just kind of not into the conversation, but he gets here and she gives him a mini, the way to every man's heart. Right. And they're <laughs> talking about the history, right. And all these things. And you, I, I think it's meant to offset the scene with Lena. He gets yeah. along with her. Right. <laughs> and, and the gift is part of all of that. Right. Like she understands what he'll appreciate. He doesn't want to talk about dragons, but he'd love to get a little mini of dragons that fits with his little model, his little history. That he loves. Complete, yeah. Right? So, like, she sees that. She knows him. She knows what he's like, and he sees that she knows that, and that, yeah. that's meaningful, right? Yeah. His favorite and, yogurt is mixed berry. Like, she knows these little details. Totally. And that doesn't make any of this more okay. Sure. I'm just saying that, that, that well, it offsets the scene with Leanna in his mind for mm -hmm. what she would bring to a relationship. Right. Comfort I even, I even wonder if that conversation cemented it for him to a degree. It, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Because even for her still, it makes a point to show that she's doing the finger thing. Still she's doing her, her finger stuff. She's still very. Yes. And, and so she's got it on her mind still that she's here for a reason. And that reason is her dad. Yeah. Um, I mean, let, let me. But let at me the same time, because I feel like we're dancing around it a lot. Let me paint this in a little bit of a different light. Okay, imagine some there's some big secret you've got, right? That's at the base of a relationship you have with somebody, right? 
And it's even small. Maybe it's a small secret, right? But you go and you and you didn't even know you were going to have a good friendship with this person or whatever, and you have it, and it's years, right? And you got have a great relationship and friendship with this person. But you've always got at the base of your skull the fact that this secret is there, and it's it's at the heart of your it start help start your relationship, right? She has this bad secret that this is all a setup to get him to fall for her at the base of their relationship, even though it actually maybe means something to her now, right? As it's developed over six months. So it's incredibly nerve wracking to her to be holding that at the base of this thing at all times, giving her extreme anxiety always because the heart of this thing that maybe is good is rotten, right? The heart of it is rotten and she can't give that away. She can't tell him. And that poisons kind of the whole thing and makes her nervous. And the whole, uh, the whole thing's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Ugh. Totally on the fly. Didn't have any of that written. Probably didn't go very well. It, did. uh, it went just fine. <laughs> They're interrupted. They are. Uh, to talk about another council meeting. Where they're yeah. going to talk about Damon and his shenanigans. Otto loves springing these council meetings. What is this? The fourth one? And he's like, dude, I had to call a meeting. I had to. And it's <laughs> when his daughter's doing what he wants her to do. That's true. He was not surprised at all to find her there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's my daughter doing here? He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Doesn't even course. acknowledge her really. Yeah. Um, so... Damon had called Viserys weak in the last episode, right? Mm-hmm. When when Viserys banished him. And now he's putting Viserys in a position where it's either going to make Viserys act in a too emotionally driven way because he's bringing Balon into this, his dead son, or uh, to the point that he'll make a mistake, or Viserys won't do enough, which he is prone to do, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And he'll continue to look weak. So it's just Damon manipulating his brother like he always does. You know he mm-hmm. took that specific egg, Balon's egg, for the absolute reason that he did. Yeah. Um, he knows that the button to push on Viserys is his dead air. Absolutely. Totally true. And, and Rhaenyra is the one that figures it out in that council meeting asking what egg it was. That's kind of putting that together and saying, like, why is he really doing this? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I get it. Right. Uh, point point to note the it's a little bit different in Fire and Blood. In Fire and Blood, there are just eggs on Dragonstone. There's yep. lots of semi lots of them. Gets and he one. just takes just yeah, just uses one of those. Same kind of idea though, in in sense, uh Viserys and um, you know, he banishes him or tells him to go to his wife or whatever. Um but this is better. This is this oh, is a yeah. cooler conflict we get. Uh, right. I don't know if we're ready to move past the council yet, but um, you know, I, I guess uh, to me, Otto's right again. So I say Otto's right a lot. I think Otto is right a lot. He sucks. Look at me. He sucks. Okay, but like he's right a lot on this policy stuff. And Viserys can't go stand up to Damon by himself. We know Viserys can't stand up to Damon. He loses that every time. That's right. right? Otto, Otto paints it as for your safety, we can't send right. you there. It's not about his safety. It's the fact that he will cave 
like uh, the 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 snow fort that I built with my kids. Uh, if he's in front of Damon, it will not work if Viserys goes. Yeah. At the same time, I don't <laughs> I don't know what he expected to do any different. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but because uh, he's kind of in a rough spot when he gets there. Uh, we but get one. Go ahead. Uh, just just to close that loop, um, Viserys backs down so easily. Otto's just yeah. like, no, you can't. Yeah. And Viserys is like, yeah, you're right. But when okay. he does it, this is this is just the slightest little acting piece of brilliance that I love from Patty Considine. He his eye kind of like twitches, just like I'm even doing it too much. I can't mm. do just this little mm. twitch that he does. Yeah. When he agrees with Otto, like, like oh, you're, I should go to be a strong another piece, but of, oh. another piece of power given away. But another if you slice. end up watching that, if you end up watching the episode again, pay attention to that little thing. He just does like the slightest little eye twitch where you can tell he's bugged that he's backing down. Um, mm-hmm. But it's brilliant. It's brilliant. That's great. I'll have to record again. Uh, we do get before this big scene, we get one little piece with. Uh, Otto and and Alicent. Will you see the king tonight? If you wish it. It's just disgusting. I just hate it. Again, like, she may have been thinking about going to see the king, just to chat with him about this terrible thing his brother just did. But now because he asked her to go, it's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always a thing. I know it's always a thing, but like it's more of a thing. It it weighs on her constantly. Yeah. Right? He points out Even when her motivations are good. He points out her her mangled fingers, yeah. and she almost kind of cowers a bit when she point mm-hmm. when he points it out. Like you can tell how much emotional abuse he's inflicted yes. upon this poor girl just Absolutely. by the way that she acts around him. It's yeah. just disgusting. Um, this feels very much like the manipulation that I imagine Jane Westerling went through uh, mm. with Rob Stark. I mean, Otto Hightower's playing the position of oh gosh, now I forget mom's name. Mama Westerling. Uh, um, Sybil, right? There you go. Yes, Sybil. Um, Otto's playing the part of Sybil, and Allison is Jane. Um, of course, we don't know the ins and outs of those, but it just, it's disgusting. So, yes, very. Uh, so, like, Otto's right a lot of the time, and he's evil and terrible. He is awful. Both yep. things are true. Yeah, both can be true. Yep. Okay, uh, ready for this confrontation at Dragonstone? Yes. First of all, can we talk about how effing cool Dragonstone looks? Yeah. So again, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, right? I didn't. I don't remember seeing Dragonstone at all. It's, it's not, not at all this like, cool. Okay, but they changed it. Okay, I don't remember. In my brain, my brain apparently is not powerful enough to do this. It doesn't. Its imagination is not not good enough. I guess. This is you. nothing like one hundred percent. One hundred. It's like the Great Wall of China vibes against a sheer cliff, but it's like long causeway fog yeah. from yeah. It's just gorgeous, and the smoky the ruin, fog. It's just way bigger. I always imagine Dragonstone to be almost like it's on a village, little rock, little yeah. village. It's on a rock, heap, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this is much bigger, and yeah. uh, I love it. It I almost love feels it. like it's on another planet. It's yes, it's a different world. It might as well be. It's so depending cool. on what you believe about Dragonstone, am I right? So I want to give you a question to answer or an opportunity to answer the question that you yourself posed. What did Otto hope to accomplish here with his 
two Kingsguard knights and his 20 household guards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe he thought... I mean, it, it's a weird play because he knows that he and Damon, Damon don't get along, right? I mean, I think the idea of... As much as I said, we know Viserys can't stand up to Damon. Damon's never going to give in to Otto. Fucking Otto, are you kidding me? They're like rivals. He's never going to give in to Otto. Yeah. So I don't know what he thought. And Otto's going to strong arm him. <laughs> yeah, right. Like what? Like either send all the guys and take it by force, or you know something else, right? That you that you think might work, but your presence is just going to piss him off. It's not going to help. And Otto's smart enough that I'm surprised he didn't think of that. Right. Um, you know, he the way he talks to him, I think he makes good points. He's right. This is a pathetic show. He's insulting the house. He's running the family down. He's creating weakness in the king. He's doing all these things like Otto's saying. It doesn't change the fact that he's not going to give you the egg, Otto. Right. Absolutely. And, and oh, by the way, there's a dragon up there, which you don't have. So. you screwed. Yeah. I don't know what he thought he was going to do. It was, yeah. Uh, although we do get one of the greatest sucker punches of the whole film of Crispin. Was that your name? Crispin? Yes. Oh, I forgot That's your great. name. Well, that maybe you'll great. recall when I knocked you off your horse or whatever yes. he said. Yes. Damon handles it well. He gives that disarming smile. and Yes, he handles it well. Mm-hmm. He even says like, well done or something. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, I didn't love how he can apparently with his thoughts summon Caraxes over the cliff. Like tensions are raising, so Caraxes climbs over the cliff and intimidates. I don't How does know he... if it's, yeah, Caraxes I... could sense that or yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean it's dramatism. It's like mind it's connection, right? I also didn't dig. So there's plenty of things to complain about Otto, but I I I hated him just like tearing down Missaria. Yeah, just like yeah. every chance he got, she's a whore, and he like bites the word off. That whore of yours is just yeah. ugly. But it is. Yeah, and patriarchy here. Auto- they're not a noble woman. They're nothing. That's what we should have named the episode. and patriarchy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. He treats her poorly. He treats her as a prop for his disdain for, for the actions that, uh, that Damon is taking. And, yeah, you're right. It's despicable. Um, and to be kind of clear, Damon's kind of doing the same thing with her in in this. Uh, She's kind of his tool for pissing off his brother. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so to, to get to your point, Damon has lied about the child, lied about the wedding. None of it's true. He's literally doing this for attention. <laughs> yep. As far as I can tell. He's yep. just like, it's been six months and I haven't pissed my brother off in a while. And taking Here's the castle what I'll do. <laughs> didn't do it. So I'll do this. I will take Let's his dead son's works. egg and say I'm going to marry. Man, oh my goodness. <laughs> a mess. So would Caraxes have killed, would, would he have allowed Caraxes to just destroy Otto Hightower and Harold Westerling and Kristen Cole and all these people? Was Damon really planning on a no turning back moment? before Rhaenyra's swept in. So Otto says to him, if you do this, you're declaring war against the king 
Good. And Damon says good or something very similar yeah. to good. And great, you know, something, something agreeable. He's like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, that might just be he and Otto again, just kind of posturing, yeah. raising each other up and making, you know, getting under each other's skin. But I don't know what he thought his next play was when Viserys didn't show up. Exactly. So he can't back down. Like he can't give him the egg without looking like a, you know, Wuss, I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he so he kind of has to full, like maybe try to crash the ship and say they all drowned. I don't know what he would do, but it is there's it no turning like back was, if that it dragon feels like comes he in. was ready. Yeah, yeah, it feels like without Rhaenyra, this was going to be a fire bath. Yep, yep, from the dragon, it looks like a frog. <laughs> Crasses looks like a frog to me. <laughs> Penises, uh, Yolk Boy, our friend oh, from Radio yeah, Westeros yeah. pointed out. Yeah. Um, Long everywhere, I guess that's the way to be. <laughs> but of course, Rhaenyra is able to sneak away from the Red Keep uh, because the only two guards that ever seem to keep an eye on her, Kristen Cole and Harold Westerling, are actually there with <laughs> Otto. So no one's watching out for her. So she's able to get away and uh, saves the day in a really cool moment. I thought that was really cool. I was not expecting it. Um, no. I mean, so this scene doesn't exist at all in Fire and Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the best scene in this episode. And they nailed it, I think. You know, I mean, there's we've, we've made a few quibbles, right? About like, well, what did either one of them really expect? And you can go back and do that if you don't, if you think about it. But if you don't have her saving the day. If yeah. she hadn't saved the day, we, we can play that if game, but the fact is she came and saved the day, she so came. you don't have to worry about it, right? Right. Uh, she does her best Arnold impression. Kill me! I'm right here! I'm right here! Right? That's so true. She's like, I'm the problem, Uncle, kill me. Right? Or or maybe Egg on, Egg, egg 5. The, uh, <laughs> he's right there, sir! Kill him! He's right there! He's right there! What's, uh, what's great is how Damon's confidence that he had with Otto, you slowly see it fall apart when Rhaenyra confronts him. It's a brilliant yeah. bit of acting by by Matt Smith. He slowly just like descends into yeah, his defense mode, slump. He kind and, of gets a defensive posture. Yeah. yeah, and and then finally it culminates with, "You're having a baby," and he's like, "Well, someday." And he almost like yeah. cowers the way he says it, like, well, "Someday I will." Like <laughs> he looks like a teenager, like. Technically, uh-huh. I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's all his grooming of Rainier, and it just falls apart right here. Yeah, he he's almost, I don't want to say he's intimidated by her, but respects her too much. He's to, met his match to, with her. Yeah, to, to, to lie to her or doesn't think he'll get away with lying. I mean, Rainier does seem uh, attentive to details and clever, like she's going to figure this out, and he knows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she does, right? I mean, you're going to have a baby. It was not really a question. It was like, a, no, you're not. <laughs> you're having a baby. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you betcha. Uh, anyway, so she diffuses it. Great job. Uh, he chucks a dragon egg at her. <laughs> yes. After my Sario stomps off. I mean, she's angry and she has every right to be. Yep. She, she's been used here as a prop, essentially. And she knows uh, it in two ways, and she knows it, and shows it, and good for her. 
mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people would just stand there and suffer and stand by your man or whatever, you know, but she doesn't, she stomps away and yep. goes for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she, and then he tosses the dragon at her. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Right now. Like good thing. She has quick reflexes. You just chucked yeah. a dragon egg. You yeah. can't do that. Oh. And then they put it, this was, they put it in that uh, smoldering carrying brazier thing. Yeah. yeah. Bra- brazier. Brazier. I'm thinking, brazier. what's Maddie's well, mind on? You need another egg for that. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. But... <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was interesting. I don't remember, you know, I guess the only experience we have with it is Danny's eggs, which in the early seasons, which I did watch the early seasons. Um, they do heat them a few times. They do keep like them that. warm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Missaria in the Fire and Blood accounts, we don't, of course, get a direct look at her. It's all just retellings. She's yeah. portrayed as a more manipulative character towards Damon, I feel like. And maybe she'll get there. We're early. Maybe this is where she's like, this is the moment where she's like, if I'm going to survive with this guy, I've got to play her bigger part. But here, like we said, she's kind of just Damon's tool for pissing off Viserys. Uh, she yeah. even says, I'm not looking for gold or power. I'm looking for freedom, right? Um, to be liberated from fear. Yeah. Liberation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I struggled with Masaria quite a bit. Um, there's been a lot of stuff about her accent and all. I, I don't care about all that, yeah. but the actress did fine. She was great. Um, she was, she's good. I didn't, I don't care for where they're taking her. And I, I think probably again, because I'm a stickler for, for the books a lot of the time, I think of my, my even though we get very little detail, right. It's, it's always just, she whispered that and she told this and, you know, things like that. It's, it's not a lot of detail we get. Um, but I always took her for a bold, you know, woman of of manipulation and control like you're almost saying. like a melisandra to stand a little bit a less powerful melisandra but yeah yes, minus a, the magic a, but yeah a, power, really a powerful woman in the mm-hmm. wings being assertive driving some of the action not just being acted upon and you're right maybe we'll get there right but i feel like what they gave her so far was it implied a less bold individual yeah. and like you know again it's early maybe we'll get there i hope we do yep um because yeah. the actress i think was was great for, from you know what they gave her um and they've certainly given her a little bit of backstory that we can start from and build to something cool right yeah um certainly she's come from a, a place where she had very little to no choice over anything that happened to her um you know and she's trying to build from nothing right so good honor for doing that yeah it, it just wasn't Maybe exactly we'll you take that next step right we'll see yeah yeah good stuff well um then i thought of you in this next scene scad i <laughs> talked about how we didn't good. get a lot of lionel strong yeah. in the first episode yeah. and we get lionel strong here he gets his own scene with his own little monologue yeah and he does a great job. He um, does. He gives good advice, considering all the angles, but he doesn't seem like a dick like Otto. Like, maybe this guy should be the hand, right? Uh, he's described in Fire and Blood as thus, and I thought they nailed the characterization of him according to this. A big hmm. man, burly and balding, 
Lord Strong enjoyed a formidable reputation as a battler. Uh, those who did not know him off took him for a brute, mistaking his silences and slowness of speech for stupidity. Maybe that's what we might have thought after episode one, right? This was far from the truth. Lord Lionel had studied at the Citadel as a youth, earning six lengths of his chain before deciding that a maester's life was not for him. He was literate and learned his knowledge of the laws of the seven kingdoms exhaustive. And yeah. came off that way in this. I agree. Other than the balding part, uh, yeah. the, the, the physical characterization, I, I'm not sure they, they almost nailed, imagined him even bigger, bigger, yeah. bigger. Yeah. Broader. Burlier. This guy's kind of burly-ish, but... Burly-ish, yeah, he's stocky. He's not slight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, we, we talked last episode about his son, uh, Breakbones, uh, who we saw him... We saw parts of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he looked slender, right? When you told me that that was the guy, I was like, really? This guy, you know, in Fire and Blood, they call him one of the strongest men in the kingdom. Yeah. And I didn't see that. He's weighty. But, but he's weighty. Uh <laughs> It's a, it's there's a, a connection Fons. yeah there's a Risa Fons <laughs> connection for you the replacements was it is that it is called? yep yeah. where uh, he plays the Scottish kicker yes hmm. wonderful uh, anyway I, I, I did love the scene with Lionel uh, he gives good advice seems seems to have the king's best interest at heart seems like a good guy I like the book paints him I liked it yeah, yeah. good counselor straight up with yeah. him seems like it yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he recommends he marries a 12 year old, which again is problematic, but for then reasons how that we've these things about. go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, then we get to another Viserys and Rhaenyra chat about her actions at Dragonstone. A Kingsguard guy comes in, your daughter's back from Dragonstone. Oh, what? Huh? <laughs> huh? What? <laughs> Why wasn't Harold Osterling watching her? Say? Well, he was with her. Why wasn't Kristen Cole watching her? Well, he was with her. Um, I do not wish to make us estranged, he says to Rhaenyra. Yeah. He's looking for permission to marry Alicent. We know this. And Rhaenyra, thinking that he's talking about Lena, gives her approval. He's like, you got to yeah. remarry. So go for it, dad. I support you. Yeah, so he really fucks up here. So she comes in, he's angry, right? He's really kind of tearing into her about risking her life. She shuts him down. And she's like, look, I solved this problem without violence. And it went way better than it would have gone had you not, had you not, had I not gone. I'm in the sit now and we're going to talk, right? That's he's basically like, what she says to him. Okay. He's like, uh, uh, as a dad, probably it was going off for you too you're like you can't let her get away with no with no punishment on this but uh, whatever i mean she did do a service so so the, so finally the walls come down right finally they're getting they're they have a great this. chat yeah and yep. i don't know whether he knows yet he's gonna marry allison or whether he doesn't i don't i don't know that for sure but he's at least got an inkling and she's being mature She's talking about something very painful for her, you know, replacing her mother. Um, she and says, mother would understand this just as I do. Exactly. Okay. And he gives her nothing. Mm -hmm. Give her some detail. Tell her what you're feeling. Tell her what you're considering. She's, she's talking to you just like you wanted her to. And, and you don't 
you don't bring her in. Like you gotta bring her in. She'll find out tomorrow with everybody else. Such a failure. Oh man. Oh, because it is a lovely scene where he says that Emma brings a warmth to the Red Keep that will never be replaced. And you know, it speaks that that speaks to the power. We talk about women don't have power in Westeros and they don't, but but perhaps the power that one woman, a queen can have on setting a whole, I don't know, maybe kind of a mood or just like, you know what I mean? Like the way people act just because of Emma, who she was as a person made uh-huh. everyone feel more, he said warmth. So mm-hmm. it brought like almost a happiness to a the tone. Red Keep. A tone. There it is. A tone. And maybe because of his interactions with Allison, which have all been very warm and friendly. That's what he was thinking about too, is mm. she can bring Allison Hightower can bring that warmth back to the red keep that was missing, not just to me, but to everybody. Um, but so it's dangerously close for like making it seem like he's not making a selfish decision, <laughs> but, but, but maybe, maybe it's part of it. Well, it's I can like, see. I mean, I can see it. It's she brings she brings a package to this whole deal that helps to replace part of what Emma was. But we do this right. Like when we want something, first yeah. it's the selfish we want it, and then yeah. we start to justify our selfishness yeah, by true. pointing out other benefits that this will have. Yeah. yeah. If I get this boat, honey. <laughs> <laughs> We can take your mom out on boating trips and we can and drown her. I can get away for the we could get away for the weekend, just you and me. <laughs> Matt, you're not getting a boat, right? No, I'm not getting a boat. Don't I'm get gonna, a boat. I'm, I'm gonna pull it in my Honda Insight. Like, what am I gonna do? Uh, I don't know. I've just known some boat owners, and they both of them independently said the happiest day. Uh, when they sold the, two, the two happiest days of their life <laughs> when they bought their boat and the day they sold their boat they both told me that joke independently so I, I don't know if that boat just if that joke just comes printed on the steering wheel when you buy right, a boat yeah they both knew it no offense to our friend katrina who they seem to have a great time with their boat that's fair um so yep. council meeting yeah here we go here's the moment felt like a damn game show it really did it opens I brought up. you all here to announce i will marry who will be commercial break allison we'll find out right after these oh my god um but whether you know he's making the right choice or the reasons he's doing it this is the first time that we've seen the series and it's only been two episodes that we see him do something like for him even knowing he knows because he's talked to pretty much all of them independently that everyone else on the council, except for Otto, disapproves of this. And even Otto told him, yeah, the stuff Maester yeah. Malos is saying makes sense for Lena. Um, and this is something that he knew he's going to ruffle some feathers. And I guess good on you, Viserys, for making a choice for you for once, pal. Uh I mean, like, couldn't hit the choice he made for himself be like, I'm going to have some ice cream tonight. You know what we're going to do? <laughs> Instead of muffins, I want cinnamon rolls for our <laughs> like, council meetings. This is a big one. 
not bagels. I want donuts. (laughs) (laughs) But it even I want a a new little orb to put in my thing. It it, it's a little heavy-handed, even like at the beginning of the scene. There's like this bright light from the window shining on his face as he looks out, like this whole enlightened Mm -hmm. moment. Yep. He looks like an elf from Lord of the Rings for a split second with the light shimmering off of him. But yeah, he, if I remember right, he kind of looks almost at peace with the decision, yeah. like ready to disappoint them, knowing he is and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you're right, he usually isn't that way. Yeah. They do a really good job handling their reactions in this scene. Rhaenyra oh. looks totally betrayed by Alicent. And it's they put the camera looks... right on her when, mm-hmm. the, he's, when he says yep. the line, the camera's on her. And, and she figures it out right before he says it because she looks right at Allison. So she's again mm-hmm. cagey. She's figured this out, but she looks betrayed by Allison, not her dad, even yeah. though it should be both. She seems more betrayed by Allison. Uh, Corliss just looks wroth. Otto looks smug as shit. Oh, the look he gives. The look <laughs> oh, he gives man. Corliss. Oh my gosh. He looks over and, at him, then he just kind of goes. <laughs> And poor Allison, I don't know how many takes they did or whether she's just perfect as an actress, but she somehow looked both guilty and victimized. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Just amazingly done. Oh my Great gosh. Scene. Yeah, the guilt just emanating off of her yeah. was pretty brilliant acting. But... Yeah. And But Viserys seems to feel none of it. He's the one that should feel guilty, most guilty, right? And he's like, look, I did something for me. I bought my yeah. boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he almost looks surprised that Rhaenyra is hurt. Like, how can you be that stupid, man? You like, said I could. You could say I could marry yeah, whoever I wanted. Yeah. You said even mom would approve. I, I don't see what the big problem is here. The problem is it's, uh, his, it's her best friend, dude. Yeah. And you didn't tell her. Again, it's the whole... It's the childbirthing, to a smaller degree, I understand, but it's the childbirthing thing again, all over again. You didn't even tell her. Like, you didn't, you got to tell people things that are going to affect them. Give them some level of thought and brain power to deal with these things. To deal with stuff that's going to hurt them. Listen, I know this is going to be hard for you. Yeah. I've been spending a lot of time with your best friend. Like, (laughs) when you put it that way, like, yeah that tell sounds him. bad it's easier said than done yeah but your sentiment is absolutely correct uh, i'd be remiss as one of the fandom's biggest hightower fans i'm not really referring to Otto. i'm, I'm referring to the mythical history the of house, the hightower yeah. house in general even though Otto is a piece of shit uh the hightowers are nothing to sneeze at corliss goes on and on about how great the valerians are and how rich and powerful and blip you're a blip of power the high towers have been powerful for hundreds and thousands of years. A young, young time. Yep. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Uh, something that's been going around Twitter is this idea that Alicent has been wearing the same dress for the whole episode. I've seen. And uh, conclusions have been reached by some that that means she she'd slept with Viserys. Yeah that night and so she had to she was wearing the same dress the next day because that's what she had in his chambers so interesting choice to have her wear the same dress because i think it does span three days not just two Mm -hmm. uh if i did the math right or noticed the scenes properly 
so I don't know. I, certainly they don't have an unlimited number of dresses. They don't change them out every single day, maybe. But it was it was an interesting choice because usually these customers feels like they, man, they go I mean, all out, my right? only I mean, complaint so far has been the wig. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm surprised they had her wear the same dress three days right. ago. And if it was I can see, right, I can see people trying to draw conclusions from that because the costuming usually, at least it seems to me, these shows is i almost said overdone masterfully and brilliantly done with variety and lots of options and lots of details yep. right mm-hmm. and so i'm surprised to see it repeated right but i didn't i didn't draw that conclusion at all it's a big conclusion to draw just from you know wearing the a same dress, dress. Yeah. yeah could just be that it was the lucky dress you know yeah Maybe Otto told her to wear her mother's dress, and there was only one left. <laughs> she's like, she's like "This is it." Dad told me this is the only one. Dad told me to wear mom's dress. It's all I got. Okay, poor girl. Um, um then we get to the final scene. Mm-hmm. Corliss and Damon plotting. Mm, it's not really plotting yet. It's more. Corliss making his pitch to Damon. Uh, Damon seems slightly intrigued by the end, but yeah, I think I think Damon would be more intrigued if it had been his idea, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? How about this, Corliss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about this? We invade the Stepstones, then we kill the people. Not the opposite. Not the other way. <laughs> Corliss is like, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a good scene. I mean, I think, you know, the people that have read Fire and Blood knew it was coming. I think kind of it, it was meant to be kind of a slow reveal of like who's he talking yeah, to. It's Damon. Yeah. But uh, maybe those who have read the book were like, yeah, he's talking to Damon. This is that moment. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. knew it, but Eowyn didn't. And she she thought it was effective. Right? She was watching it. With That's him. interesting. I'm glad that you're watching it with someone who hasn't read the books and yeah, it's a little, probably gives you some yeah. cool insights. Yeah, yeah. Um, the history. Uh, okay, Valeria, House Valerian School. I believe it. Uh, I don't really buy that Damon's been passed over. Like to, to me, I, I admit, you know, my opinion of Damon is very low. One of my least favorite characters sure. in the entire series. Yeah. Uh, but he's fucked up a lot. I, I think it's hard to deny that. I don't. Every opportunity he's been given, he's screwed up. I don't think he's been passed over. He's been knocked down when he failed. Sure. And so, so Corliss trying to equate him. That Corliss way. is being a, a salesman here. Yes. Corliss yeah. is being a salesman he's pitching. here. He's pitching. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's doing a good job of um, not bringing up that he has ambitions for the crown for his family, right? Maybe not for himself, but I mean, that was the reason he wanted Lena to marry Viserys. He's doing a good job of making it seem like he's just focused on his job, right? Mm-hmm. And the well, preserving the wealth and reputation of House Valerion. Um, and the kingdom, because the king's not doing it. He's right. just throwing parties and wasting his time. So we have to. Because he knows that if if he starts talking about the crown and everything, that's going to infringe on what Damon wants. And then Damon's going to be on the defensive with him. 
okay. brings a whole new set of baggage. Yeah. So he keeps it. Uh, listen, this is about my family. This is about my business. I need to think about this, but you can help me with that. And I can help you, you know, get to and where you want to be. We can both improve our station and, and improve our worth. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good job, Corliss, I guess. I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's going to work. On that note, maybe it's maybe it's time to go to dark to dragons after dark. Yeah, should we should we do our uh, um, acapella musical intro? Yeah, do 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 dragons after dark. All right. So my first bullet here is: uh, Will we see a moment where Lena finds and claims Vagar? That could be fun. We haven't seen a lot of dragons yet. Yeah, we, we kind of passed over the fact that uh, in that scene, she talks about the fact that the Vagar isn't at the dragon pit, which in Fire and Blood, Vagar is at the dragon pit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think we are going to see it. I, I don't know. I mean, I think she's going to do it. I don't know if we'll see it, right? I don't know if they're going to give her the screen time because she is a very minor character at this point. I don't know if they're going to give her the screen time to actually like go tame Vagar. That said fandom's crazy for fucking dragons so like right. get a drag get a new dragon on screen and maybe they will right and be crazy or or maybe it can be you know we're in spoiler mode here maybe it can be a bonding moment for she and damon right? damon which is something her future husband yeah right? yeah exactly so you know damon is now hanging out at driftmark with with the valerians and maybe this is a moment right where she brings up the dragons with Damon, and in the opposite scene of what she had with Viserys, he's into it. He's like, yeah, man, dragons. I know where Vagar is. She's like, take me. And he's like, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do is, it. You know? Because he's fucking Damon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, I think I can see it. I think I just talked myself into it. We're going to see it. Okay, I hope so. And it's going to be a moment with Matt Smith and and I'm sorry, the actress who plays Lena, who I don't know. I think there's three actresses that are listed as as Lena. Lena. Yeah, oh, wow. this one, teenage Lena, uh-huh. adult Lena. Yeah, interesting. We might as soon as next episode, right? We've we're having these significant time jumps. I mean, not to spoil it, but Lena doesn't live that long. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, how far are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I started thinking a lot. So I, you know, hearing Ray and Era talk at the council, right? I want to talk about this. The very first scene, uh, and they interrupt her, and they won't let her way in, and then they send her to go pick the king's guard, and she makes what looks like a really good choice. In the meantime, all of us are like saying, "No, don't do it. Bad choice. Don't do it." Uh, it feels, though, like they make it look like a good choice. They give her logic and everything. It seems like they're setting her up to be a good leader. Everything they've yeah. done paints her in a very favorable light. Yeah. So my que- I have a question. Do you think they're doing that to have her be a hero on the Black's side, on Team, on, on, you know, team Black, and they're also going to have a similar hero on Team Green? Or I do think- you think... Or do you do you think they're just setting it up to be an even bigger fall when she fails like she does in the books? Yeah, they might be setting up for a big, huge, tragic fall. I think 
I think they're setting her up to be the hero. I think that we are going to be meant to be more sympathetic towards the blacks rather than mm-hmm. the greens throughout all of this. Um, yeah, maybe they've done not. a really good job with Allison though, too. They really to have her sympathetic. And I think that's what, I think that's what this at least season one is going to be. It's going to be Allison versus Rhaenyra. They're bringing mm-hmm. in that con- of them being friends and all of that. So yeah. I think we're meant to see to the end Rhaenyra as a hero, which through like, forget this season. You mean like through, like she's going to be a hero and they're going to not make her make her with tits as they call her in fire and blood. I'll, I'll, I'll say for this season, so this season. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I don't, I definitely don't think the fall is going to come this season. She might make a, some questionable choices or something, but I don't think the fall is going to come this season. Yeah. I just, it feels like there's much more of a plan this time around than with game of thrones it was almost it felt like with game of thrones it was like oh crap we made this decision back in season two now we're in season seven and we have to figure something out to make this work what are we going to do to make this work well you know what everything that's being said is they've got a plan what helps with that having a whole outline instead of five-sevenths of an outline. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Give him some credit here. So everything that we've seen in these first two episodes, the things that we've heard from Martin himself, and uh-huh. it, it feels like there's a plan for this one at least. Yeah. And I hope that that plan is to not turn Rhaenyra into a, the show's version of Tyrion Lannister, where good guy to the end. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, yeah. Rainier is a sympathetic character to me. For sure. Um, I wouldn't call her a villain, but she becomes pretty villainous in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I hope and they I don't hope, shy I, away from those. Yeah, I, ho- I hope not. What I said earlier is, you know, I hope the showrunners realize they have a whole cast of villains already because <laughs> they do. Almost everyone in this in this series is, is doing is bad a, stuff to each other. Does a villainy thing in some way. Yeah. 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 There's no character that you can just get behind and ride to the end. There just isn't. And those I think ones Chorus die. was cl- and those ones Chorus die. and Rainus were closest, right? Probably. Even they're not untouchable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the show's done a good job already of making them not untouchable. And I like it that way. Yeah, me too. Um we kind of covered this with Allison and Rhaenyra and their conflict emerging. Talked about my Saria a little bit too and where she might go. Um, well, yeah, we did. We might have talked about all these. Uh, maybe some things that you think will happen in the next episode. Do we think we'll see another big time time jump? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to skip ahead. I, I mean, I, so if you saw the preview for the next episode, it looks like looks like we got little baby Aegon at least. Right. Uh, I wonder if maybe we'll also get either Aemond or Helena. I don't know if they're going to do them in the correct order or whether they'll make Aemond go next for age reasons and stuff like that or what, or exclude Helena entirely for all I know. Hopefully mm-hmm. not. Aegon's got to mm-hmm. have kids. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to skip forward. I, I would think 18 months or two years. Yeah, quite a bit. Crazy, right? Yeah. And then I think, uh, think Rainier is going to get betrothed to Leonor in this next episode. If it really it it would it won't happen unless they do skip forward the two years. But if they do, I, I think that will happen. 
and then maybe some beginnings of this step zone action? I think we're going to be in the thick of it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if they skip forward two years, it could be, it could be, I don't think they'll end it because they've built the crab feeder up too much. I think they're still going to drag that thing out several episodes. An episode or two at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to be in the thick of the stepstones for sure. Yeah. Right. Which in um, Fire and Blood, it always had that feeling that like Damon and Corliss are going to win eventually. Like it's a foregone (laughs) conclusion that they're going to win. Yeah. And this makes it feel like there's more stakes to it and that it's not quite as certain, at least from the previews. Yeah. In, in fire and blood, I don't remember the exact timeline, but I believe in one Oh nine, it seems like they kind of have it mostly sealed up. They've kind of got it. So that's, you know, three or four years into the conflict. It seems like they've got it kind of mostly sewn up, but then the triarchy doubles down, right? They send Rikalio Rindun out there and he fights, and then the Dornish join in, and the thing lasts until 2015. So the thing lasts nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know whether they'll do all of that or whether they'll just focus on Kragus. I mean, when you've got Rakalia Rindun sitting right there, I don't know why you'd go with this crab feeder guy, but uh, anyway. I, I think it's just gonna be crab feeder. Yeah, so I yeah. think they'll I think they'll draw that out then for two or three more episodes yeah i can see two yeah and then uh i'm looking forward to seeing Kristen cole taking a more established place uh amongst the king guard king's guard and maybe in rhaenyra's heart yeah interested to see where that goes and i can see them too and how they bring that all around right yeah when are we going to see harwin strong coming into this and, and, you know, despite the fact that he's fighting the Stepstones, there are moments where uh, Damon comes back and, inf- and affects the main plot point. He comes back for attorney or the marriage or mm-hmm. well, the timeline's all screwed up, right, of when it's all happening. But I assume he's going to make appearances at court at some point and get forgiven like he did in Fire and Blood. Sure. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's are where we, we are. That what's point? coming... Next episode, I'm I'm done. Are you prepped, Kalisar? You ready are you for ready? episode three? Okay, coming at you in like a few days. Go watch it. Yep. Well, let's sign off. Come Scott. back here and join us next Friday. Right? We'll be back with another episode covering episode three to get you ready for right. episode four. As always, right. find us right here. So this is Matt signing off, reminding you that to elude a storm, you can either sail into it or around it, but you must never await its coming. And Scad signing off uh, with that storm we call patriarchy. And I don't know how we, I don't think it can be avoided, but I don't know how we steer into it either. But uh, yeah, the show shines a light on it and uh, we, we got to steer a ship right into it somehow because yep. it's a mess. Yep. Still forever. <laughs> Bye, Calzar. Good night. Thanks for listening. <laughs>